It's the Low Score Podcast. And now, here's Bobby and Jay. Happy Low Score Podcast. Hey, happy Low Score Podcast to you. You're wearing uh, a very busy shirt. I am. This is a... Uh, it was a Woot shirt from a couple of years ago. It's in like an Earth Day shirt. Okay. Um, and it just has a whole bunch of like things from the planet, I guess. <laughs> like th- that definition is very loose. Yes, like, it is. Okay. There's we have owls, a mountain. There's maps. A whale. There, there's a whale. There's one of those like uh, these things for like making a movie. What are those things? Like a clapboard. Okay. There's a clapboard. There's a windmill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a lot. There's snowshoes. There's a lot going on. Sure, why not? Um, but I like. I don't know. I like the shirt. So, did you go see a movie today? Was that? I did. Yeah, what? I saw Gravity. Gravity. So I was wondering because I said, like, "Okay, Jay's heard the Oscar nominees and now needs to go see things in the theater." I do. Um, which I, 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 Gravity was excellent. It was a lot of fun. I think I've seen two of the more fun movies for Oscars. I've seen American Hustle. Okay. And Gravity. My guess uh, was that you were going to see American Hustle because I did not know that you'd already seen it. So yes, we saw that. Gosh, right after Christmas, I think. Okay, that was a blast. That's a super fun movie. Um, I would like to see her quite a bit because I really like Spike Jones. Yeah, and by that I mean I guess it's been forever, but I really like Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine. No, not Eternal Sunshine. No. He didn't do that one. No. He did Being John Malkovich. Yes. Those are the Charlie Kaufman movies he wrote. Um, or directed. Directed. Yeah. But yes. Uh, so I want to see that. Philomena, I want to see with Steve Coogan. Carrie saw that. She loved it. Oh, Steve Coogan and uh, Judy Dench, or who is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Judy Dench. And he wrote it or co wrote it. Hmm. Um, though I think it is based on. Like a real story or book. Anyway, it is Oscar time. Yeah. There's Oscars. I am really out of touch. I don't see movies anymore. Like, I enjoy going to the theater, but I don't go to the theater to see the movies that you're supposed to go see in the theater. Right. I'm like, I'm not going to see an Oscar movie. I'm going to go see, like, animated feature in the summer or, you know, whatever dumb thing. Yeah, I I definitely won't see all the nominees, but that's kind of what made seeing Gravity pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Cuz that it that's like a while it's Oscar nominated, it's a big time special effects movie. Yeah. But um, I I mean I don't even mean that. Like I just don't I don't see important movies. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily the ones that are good on a big screen in a dark theater with gotcha. you know, a good surround sound system. I just mean just I don't low quality movies. Yep, I just see the okay. kind of crap of the crap. I don't know when the last time I had seen a movie was. It seems like we'll go to one or two in the summer and then one or two around Oscar time. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, um, we just happened to see Argo. So we happened to see the Oscar winner. That's hilarious. I never saw it. Randomly picked it. We're like, yeah, that looks good. I like Ben Affleck. Let's go see that. Um, But I wanted to go see a bunch of stuff. I wanted to see Frozen. I wanted to Mm -hmm. see the Mary Poppins movie. Right. Saving Mr. Banks. Yes. Yes. Didn't see any of those. I don't know. I just, I love going to the movie theater, but when it's the choice between going somewhere to do something and paying money or just staying home, it's pretty easy to choose staying home. It's such a long, cause it's expensive and you have to get yourself to a theater mm-hmm. and you have to sit through all the junk in front of the movie. Yeah. 
And it's I, a poor experience, like going to see a movie out. Yeah. So, so we actually have a movie theater that's right around the corner from us that apparently renovated within the last couple of years. So we'd been there maybe four or five years ago mm-hmm. and it was, it wasn't even stadium seating at that point. It was still Ooh. just old school. Yeah. Apparently yeah. they've renovated it and it is really rad. So we may need to tri- take a trip up there shortly. That's I mean, good. That's like a five minute drive. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Oh, excuse me. One thing I do enjoy though, is I like making the movie event like a date like a thing of it like okay we're gonna go to movie and a dinner or alternatively we're gonna go see the movie and i'm gonna get popcorn and i'm gonna have that as my lunch and i'm just gonna eat a big tub of popcorn by myself like that then i feel just feel so sick yeah it's great i've never gotten a refill by myself though so there's at least that a popcorn refill or a soda refill popcorn refill man i don't get i don't get soda refills that's i'm risking too much there's too much that could go wrong with the bladder. Oh, yeah. Oh, not. yeah. People who go go to the bathroom during movies. There was a guy in a Billabong shirt. I remember because we just called him Billabong. Who, in the course <laughs> of American Hustle, went to the bathroom five times. Wow. That was not an especially long movie. I don't know the runtime, but I would guess two hours. Maybe like 2.15. He should get a catheter. I'm like, what? what is... Is there something really wrong in your life? I mean, yeah, probably. But why are you going to movies at that point? Like right. you, I guess I would have to weigh the experience of going to see the movie in the theater with the idea that I'm not going to get to see all the movie. Yeah, exactly. And that's definitely not a movie you need to see in the theaters. Right. And even when, so, you know, that website where it tells you like the best times to take a bathroom break during uh-huh. a movie. Yep. Even as a good idea, I still don't. I, what? No way. I, no, I can't miss anything. You know what they should do? There should, there should be a showing of a movie that has a pause button. <laughs> a- anytime anyone needs to go to the bathroom, everyone has to stop. That's so awful. I thought you were going to talk about like some kind of scheduled intermission. No, no, no. I want like on demand. Everyone is in it together. Because then, then you could you could make it a social experiment. It's like being in the car on a road trip and it's. You know, the, the first it's the last person that needs to go to the bathroom that they stop for. If you really wanted to do a social experiment, they would need to like what you should do is anybody can pause the movie at any time for as long as they want. But it puts their name, photograph and seat number up on the screen. OK, so everybody knows that it was you. who <laughs> yes. did it, And there's like a little counter for how long it's been paused. I love this. Uh, this is a great idea. Let us open up a chain of theaters. I like it. Um. We got the Low Score Podcast today, episode 107. Big episode 107, Bobby and Jay. Bobby, you're over there. I am, Jay. You're over there. It's sad to be away from you. It is sad. We did so many good episodes together in person in the same room. I really like to actually listen to a bunch of those back. It helps when it's more than just you and I to listen to them because it's a couple of extra voices in it. Right. But those were a whole lot of fun to record. I wish we could do that more often. They were a lot of fun. And that's that's probably the, by far the most successful podcasting we've ever done at MAGFest. Yes. Um, nice just doing a couple quick ones. Just We, we did one every, every night. Which every is, night we did one. Yeah, the equipment definitely helped, both yours and Adam's. I mean, I remember at MAGFest, I want to say the one in Charlottesville, so I don't think you were even on it. It was probably just me and Kevin. Like, we escaped to like the con ops room or something like that. Cause they let us use it. And we recorded a podcast, like sharing the tiny microphone between the two of us, like propped up on the, the oh, tripod, man. the camera tripod. Right. Right. Like way, way back in the day, way back in the day. Um, so 
It's sad. It was sad. It's also, I was looking back because I was trying to figure out what the hell have I talked about? It's been a long time since we did a regular episode Mm -hmm. because the episode prior was our year end list where, but I looked at the episode before, like I never talked about, I don't think I ever talked about Assassin's Creed 4 or Zelda as like games that I had played, but I also think I talked about them enough last time. Okay. Yeah. Fast podcast. Yeah, you're right, because the last 105 was the last real deal podcast that we did, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So we talked about uh, GTA V, how I started to like that game, Lego Harry Potter, you were playing DMC and Revenge and Instances. Yeah, God, that was forever ago. Mm -hmm. November 18th, that was before Thanksgiving. Yep, yep. So, plenty to catch up on, but, you know, we won't necessarily bore you with all the stuff that... No, no, because we've been playing a lot of games since then. Dude, I've beat games since you, then. Well, let's start with you then, because that is momentous. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with... Okay, so I finished Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds. Mm-hmm. That was a great ending. It was a pretty simple dungeon, uh, but just, just tough enough in terms of the, the enemies. And, it, lo- and like a little bit longer than the other dungeons. Yeah, because... It, it had the weight of like a last level. It does, it does a boss rush, so you know, you go into each of the individual areas and you have to beat a boss that you faced before in the similar fashion to link to the past i think that was in link to the past right yeah mm-hmm. yes yeah. although for almost all those guys i just pulled out the upgraded flame rod and went yep flame 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 <laughs> yep that upgraded flame rod is the best thing i agree almost game breaking <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty doggone good uh i also did that challenge tower have you done that at all I did like the first five rounds. I found it really early okay. and never went back. So it is a tower at the top of Death Mountain in low roll. Mm-hmm. And there's easy, intermediate, and expert or hard or whatever the hell modes. Right. And one of them is just a handful of rounds. And one of them, it ups it to like 20 rounds. Right. And That's then what I did, the handful. It, in the expert one, it's 50 rounds. Whoa. So... You basically need to go, and it's 50 rounds, It each one is it's just a room, so you walk into the room, enemies spawn in the room, and you have to defeat them all. Um, when you walk into, so like some of the rooms are like normal platform, like a, like a large platform, but it has a, uh, like, what do you mean, a pit around the edge to fall into. Sometimes it is an ice platform with a pit around the edge to fall oh. into. Sometimes the rooms are perf- are like totally dark. It's the same shape, but it's a dark room. So, okay. I mean, if you, you just don't equip the lantern, though. Sure, but you're still like between the weapons that you want to carry with you, and if you want to have potions on your person just in case, like you're getting your ass kicked, it is right. really difficult. So I beat it the first time. Right. I used four purple potions; they restore all your hearts in the process, and I beat it in I think it was like almost 18 minutes or something. Wow! And when you do that, you get the upgraded lantern. Whoa! Upgraded Lantern does basically as much damage or equal damage to the upgraded Master Sword. Damn. Which is pretty cool. And you can get like right up in somebody's grill too. And it will damage enemies that will block sword attacks. Okay. So it's wow. like So if someone has a shield or something, you just use it on them. So there's an advantage to using it. You have to get really close to them. So there's... Um, you know, a reason that you wouldn't want to use it. And I thought, okay. She said, if you can do this again... I'll give you something special, but you have to beat your time. I thought, all right, I like, I did it pretty conservatively. I bet I can do this. 
I should have put a clock on or something because I tried rushing to it th- or through it too much. And I just got my ass kicked like five floors before the end of it. Damn. You get the upgraded bug net. <laughs> oh, I didn't get the bug net until like I had already beaten five low rule dungeons. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should have done more exploring because I think I'm about to miss some stuff in the game. It's a fun game to explore. I yeah. I was going to collect all the my mice, but decided not to. I just wanted to be done with it. But I know. I got like 40 some. I stopped a couple times and like found a handful of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want enough to, so that you're upgrading the weapons that you're actually using to the better. Even, e- even after upgrading four things, I was looking at stuff being like, I don't know what I would meaningfully upgrade. Yeah. So it did that. That ending is really good. Mm-hmm. it's I, awesome it's just I, like feel good it makes you like think zelda is awesome mm-hmm. yeah i texted you at the end of it and i was like yep that is a-okay for a game that doesn't have a lot of story that is just a nice tight way to to tie things up i did not see it coming which is nice like it nope. just it does like a little cool thing about the way the world works um yeah very right. very good i it's I'm satisfying ex- for for as little a story as they set up in that game they wrap it up uh, in both a satisfying and impressive manner. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, beat Zelda. Feel good about that. Done. Great. Great. What else did you beat? I want to say I, I basically beat Pushmo. Right. You Pushmoed. I played a whole lot of Pushmo. So, if you are, don't remember what Pushmo is, it was a game that came out early in the days of the 3DS. So, two years ago. Two, two and a half years ago? Oh, one, I think. Yeah. Or um, I'm sorry. 20, 2011. Oh, one, one. Two, oh, eleven. <laughs> um, it is a puzzle game in which you are a little sumo wrestler looking creature. Yep. Pulling out blocks. The blocks are in the shape of like they're like a mosaic tile illustration thing. You pull out the blocks to create staircases, basically to climb to the top of the object and then save the little guy that's at the top, like reach, reach the little flag at the top. Right. Um. The first few worlds of that game, it's I think it's like 18 stages per world, and there are 11 or 12 different worlds. The first few, I was like, ah, this is, you know, it's going quickly. I was just banging them out. I'm like waiting for the challenge. And challenge kicks in, and my brain just went into full pushmo mode. I just could not stop playing it. I'd stay up till awesome. 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, just laying in bed, just churning through pushmo puzzles. So I've completed uh, the 180 main puzzles and at least like six of the 18 challenge puzzles. Damn. Pushmo is phenomenal. You know, you could, I think you could download user-made Pushmos. Mm -hmm. You can use the camera to scan QR codes. That's pretty cool. That that have been made in the Pushmo studio. I don't know. I, I don't know. I would like go to the giant bomb forums and see what they have to offer there. I actually, if I remember when they were talking about it, like if you go to the Pushmo page and go to the, like, just the images, I think there's just a lot of mm-hmm. QR codes put up there. That's, yeah, I would love, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I need to do that because I need some more Pushmo in my life. I have so many other you, things to do, but. You know, you could buy Crashmo, the sequel. Yeah. What is Crashmo? I think it's Pushmo 2. Oh. What is, where's the crashing come from? I don't know if there's a new mechanic or not. Yeah. I just, I remember hearing about it and I'm like, ah, I should probably play more Pushmo before I crash in some Crashmo. You say Crashmo, I think of Crash Mode it makes me want to play Burnout 3. Um, what we got? Oh, Crashmo. I feel like there's some, there has to be some sort of crashing mechanic involved in it. Right. 
I don't know, man. I'm trying to. I thought it would be easy to determine, but so far, it looks an awful lot like Pushmo. Pushmo. Well, maybe I'll keep my eye on that because I bought a bunch of games when they went on sale on the eShop when I first got my DS. Oh, okay. So you can slide the blocks left and right. They're not just confined into like a frame. What? So you push most in and out and also like left and right. That's nuts. I guess that means oh, that. Oh, and they now follow the laws of gravity. So blocks will fall down if there's nothing supporting it up. Which okay. Is not push mode. Huh. I could, get, I could get into that. I bet it's like six bucks. <laughs> yeah. Totally worth it. But man, I played so much Pushmo. Um, I don't know what you got going on. Um, I, I also beat a handful of games and a handful of partial games. Okay. Um, the, the biggest one, probably Metal Gear Solid 4. I'm excited to hear about this. Tell me about <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4. So I was trying to figure out after MAGFest, um, I just put a bow on a couple different games and was like, what am I going to play? I had a couple games here that I could have started and, and a couple games I'm interested in. And it just came coming, coming back to me like, okay, I got this PlayStation 3. I had said for many years in our conversations, like, why would I buy a PlayStation 3? Like, let's go down the list of games I really want to play. It'd be mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid 4. That's kind of it. Maybe like Uncharted 2, maybe Infamous. And I'm like, well, Jesus, like I've been saying this, I should probably just buy Metal Gear Solid 4. I bet it's not that expensive and play it. Found it, uh, a used copy that looks in perfect condition on Amazon for seven bucks. Great price. So popped it in on a Thursday, finished that sucker up Sunday afternoon. That's, um, that, that is impressive. Uh, my total running time was like 17 hours and change. It's not a short game. But it's not a long game. It's not a long game. And a lot of that you are not playing anything. Does it? So it does count watching cutscenes as the total playtime? It must have. Okay. <laughs> Cause I oh, yeah. If, you're, if you beat it in basically two days. Then yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah, basically. Because I'd only put in like two or three hours by the time I fired it up Saturday morning. Uh, it's fantastic. They, um, I feel strange talking about a game that's this old, but we'll do it anyway. Uh, they, they do a lot of smart changes from the earlier Metal Gear games. It definitely feels dated in terms of the controls. Like there's a couple sequences where the game really wants to be a third person shooter. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the weakest moments in the game. Sure. Um, I kind of remember that from the beginning. Of the game, yes, I played a couple there's hours. One, there's one pretty close to the beginning. The stealth is still pretty good. I, I forgot how um, how much you had to rely on your own like memory and senses as opposed to like on-screen maps or something with clear indications of where people are. Mm. Um, unlike other stealth games I've played recently where I felt like I could just look at the map and kind of see where everybody is, even like Metal Gear Solid 1. Here you just basically just get like heat maps and like sound maps and can sort of tell where people are going, but you have to like combine your radar information with like your own like sight and okay. memory of where you've been. Yeah. That sounds really good. I felt, I found it very, very satisfying. Um, and like metal gear solid three, the game isn't so difficult. Even in the few situations where I did get caught, I could kind of pull myself out of a jam more often than not either by shooting people or hiding, um, or a combination of the two. The game is structured a lot differently. In the other Metal Gear Solid games, 
with the exception of two, which has that prologue sequence, you are put in an environment and mm-hmm. you play the whole game in that environment. Right? Like it's the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the base, uh, the like the Alaska base. You start someplace, you're trying to infiltrate another place, or you're on the, the oil rigs or whatever, and you're just exactly. moving from... Or you're in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, okay. So this game is five acts long, very clearly delineated, like named with headers. There's like a mission briefing sequence where you go back to your flying like airplane base, um, and everyone is in a completely different area. Oh, that's cool. Like desert... Uh, then it's a European town and a couple other awesome places that I will not. Oh, I, I had no idea. Yeah. It's like totally awesome. Totally different. Um, there is a really, it's very clear that this was meant to be the last game in the series. And it chronologically still is since Metal Gear Solid five will be a prequel, but there is a lot of reverence for the, series and direct references to earlier games without feeling like fan service except for one or two times okay Um, and those times are in funny like ways where autocon comes on your screen like halfway through the game and it's like hey you need to put in disc two and he's like oh wait you're playing this game on a playstation 3 with a dual layer blu-ray disc you don't need to flip over anything (laughs) no i'm like whoa (laughs) okay it's a little self-referential um, you go back to Shadow Moses for one of the, um, that's what's called, right? The base in Metal Gear Solid 1. No, I forget everything. San- um, Zanzibar? Xanadu? I think that's right. Uh, yeah, Shadow Moses. Okay, so you go back there, and, like, in between acts, it, like, it's like, all right, we need to go there. So it fades to black. Then it stays black for a while, it fades up, and it's just Metal Gear Solid 1. Huh? And you're just playing Metal Gear Solid 1 for a couple minutes. And then, like, you walk through a door, and all of a sudden it cuts back to Snake asleep on the helicarrier going, Autocom's <gasps> <laughs> like, what's wrong, Snake? He goes, oh, I'm having that dream again. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's super clever. Um, all of the, the bosses are combinations. They, they have one attribute from a boss from Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3. When you fight the Psycho Mantis boss... And you try to sit your controller over to port two. Mm-hmm. Otacon calls you up, and he's like, "Did you really think that was going to work again?" <laughs> he's like, "That game, that game is like 15 years old. We're not, we're not that stupid." So, like little things like that. The the story really works in a Metal Gear way. I was very happy I had gone back and read stuff, and I feel like when you are dealing with Metal Gear story, you either have to accept it for for its stupidity, mm-hmm. but while respecting its ambition and audaciousness, or be like, this is totally dumb, and everybody comes back from the dead 18 times, and none of this makes fucking sense. But if you choose the higher path, yeah. I feel like you will get wrapped up in the nonsense and have a good time. Cool. Um, they also do a really cool, like, I don't know, there's just a lot of... I like the, as I said, I like the way they make use of it as a video game. The game ends like you finish the fifth act and they roll credits and they roll a bunch of the credits and they get down to the voice actors. And then there's there's a voice actor on there and you're like, I don't remember that character being in the game. <gasps> like fade to black, fade up a cutscene. There's another like hour and a half of the game. Weird. Yeah. 
where you're like, oh, fuck. Like, that's that's why that character gets a voice actor. Credit. Man, way to spoil this five-year-old game for me. Yeah, well. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, it, it is super cr- great. Yeah. And it, it, it's a lot of fun, too. Once you kind of remember the controls, um, I that, thought it was a lot of fun. That's the thing. Like, I originally was really down on the Metal Gear series and thought... Because the first one that I played was two. So yes. I didn't even have the... Like the the switch of you know uh, Snake to Raiden that it didn't even register with me as being something important, right? Um, but once I embraced the fact that it's kind of like a, just like a little janky, but mm-hmm. it's really just you just have to remember it's like a series of specific motions. Like it's just a, yeah. a couple button presses you need to do in an order. Like any other game, it just those do not correspond with the way necessarily that you want to exactly. move your character. When I fired it up, I was dying all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. And after, I don't know, 30 minutes, I finally like sat down. I'm like, what? what is happening here? Yeah. And thought about, looked at the controls, thought about it. And from then on, it was just smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of learn how to play it. The aiming's a little weird. The, the guns are a little slow. You need to know like how powerful they are and how, how they're not. Oh, hey, there's rations everywhere, so I don't really need to worry about picking them up. Uh, I don't know. This this is a stellar game, and the reason I beat it so fast wasn't for kind of lack of anything to do, though I was pretty much just home all last weekend. It was it was that engaging. Um, I would highly recommend you playing it. I think I think it's a super fun game and um, makes me super excited. Like it's, it couldn't be better timing because MGS Five is coming out in like two. Do you have any interest in the Peace Walker, which is now I think five bucks on Vita? I think I own that game already. Ah. For is that the one they PSP HD remade? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I have that on the collection. Okay, I just bought that collection too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought at some point in my life I would Maybe. like to go back and play three. Although there's also the like Metal Gear Solid 3D, three 3D or whatever it is yeah. on the DS. Those games, there's they're so like. I don't know. I hate cinematic seems a little limiting, but they definitely seem yeah. like they would benefit from that big screen experience. And I don't like the 3D on the 3DS very much. So that, uh, I would almost rather just fire it up on my Xbox or even the PS2 version. I found that I can play the 3D if I if it is turned all the way down right before it clicks to off. Then That's where I put it, either there or like midway. That's where I played most of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Push all the all the way up, the problem is the far higher up you turn it, the less kind of give you have in terms of the angle yep. you hold it at. Yep. You have to like really have it straight on, and that's I, just not fun. I, I put on some game. I can't remember what it was, and turned the slider up like pretty significantly, and you yeah. could actually see the double images like splitting and moving apart from each other, like the way that it, it mm. does the stereographic stuff. I was like, oh. This is a really crappy implementation of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that off. I can't remember what it was, but something something on my downloadable I had. I don't remember. Right. Uh, well, speaking of downloadables, I've been playing some SteamWorld Dig on the 3DS. Okay, what is this? It's like Terraria, kind okay. of. Yeah, you are a robot set in a it's set in a like Western town, like Cowboys Western town. Mm-hmm. Um. You you dig underground. You're trying to uncover some mystery. I don't exactly know, but you're you're mining for gems. And when you get a bunch of gems, you take them back up to the top, 
uh, top side, you sell them, you upgrade stuff, and you can keep going and going. You get special abilities. So, you know, either upgrading your digging, you get a like a water-powered jump, like a jet pack that allows you to, to leap higher. It's sort of puzzly in the nature that, like, you don't want to get yourself stuck such that you can't get back to the top or, you know, you you've dug down too far. Now you can't get the gem that was off to the left because you have no inroad into it. Mm. Um, it's simple. It's it's simple, but it's kind of mindless. When how um, the gems you're trying to get, how outrageous are they? Not outrageous. They're not okay. So they're not truly outrageous. No. Oh no. Oh. Gem is not truly, truly, oh. truly outrageous. No. Okay. <laughs> you're mining for copper and diamonds and things. Sure. Yeah. Standard fare. Um, but I I never played Terraria. So I, and I didn't like Minecraft all that much. This actually like does have a, you need to get to different points. There's because, enough objectives yeah. in there. Okay. It's enough of a game game. Yep. Than a sandbox. That's yeah. pretty appealing actually. It's, it's kind of the borderlands thing where you go, you, you complete a monotonous activity to get to a point <laughs> and then uh-huh. you return, you sell a bunch of stuff, you upgrade yourself and then Rids you go repeat. back. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know if it's worth 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever it is. If you don't really just want something where you can tune out and play, it's good for watching TV, playing right before bed, those kinds of right. stuff, but it's not going to compel you. Okay. Speaking of uh, good for right before bed on the, there's a, there's like a PlayStation sale going on right now. Yes. 1414. 1414. I bought uh, Spelunky and played a little bit of that. And I also bought Thomas was alone. Yes. Which is, was two fifty. I own Thomas Was Alone somewhere, and I don't know where, and I've never played it. I think I own it on Steam. That game is pretty fun. Um, I had no idea what it was. Tom Alone's the, Thomas Was Alone is the game with the shapes. Yeah. It tells the story of a shape or something. Right. And he, each shape has... So, okay, so there's definitely two things going on at once. Like, there's there's a narrative, like, little thought things that come out of the shapes so thomas is a red square or like no he's like a red rectangle okay and at first you're just like jumping all along then he meets an orange square i forget their names and now he's like contemplating his existence and like this other guy is contemplating his existence and they have personalities that tend to loosely match their abilities so as a general so you get Okay, so sad, sad jumping. Right. Yeah. Well, so... Ha <laughs> ha. So orange square is... Sta- is uh, it's a square, so it's shorter and wider than the rectangle, right? Mm-hmm. He cannot move as fast or jump as high. So he often needs help, but he can jump on top of Thomas. So you can often, like, move Thomas to a place and, like, make a step for orange piece. Ah, oh, okay. Then you get, like, a big, long, skinny yellow piece. So he can jump, like, a million miles high and is extremely fast, but often needs to, like, stay back to help the other two. You meet, um, I think it's, I forget her name, but there's a, a huge blue square, and she can float in water. Oh, Stephanie. The, um, yeah, yes, sure. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I almost want to say Carol. Uh, that sounds wrong. But anyway, there's a big blue square. She can float in water. The other people just die immediately in water. So you have to like shuttle them around. So this is what the game becomes 
um, once you get more and more and more characters, every level, some of the characters are in there and some are not. And they have these weird, like, philosophical musings about their existence and relationship to each other in their world. And then it's also this, like, puzzle game. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's very pretty, has good music. Uh, Maybe I should buy that. Per- great Vita game. Consi- considering I don't know where, like, I'm pretty sure I own it, but I don't know where I own it. I might as well rebuy it, right? <laughs> I would just, why not? <laughs> Super cheap. Uh, if you, hey, if you bought it on PlayStation, you try to download it from the store, I think it will just, like, download it and not charge you, which is nice. Right? Like, you can re-download stuff as many times as you want. Oh, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's cross-play, but it doesn't seem that appealing as a PlayStation sure. as 3 game. I I was going to buy Proteus and then realized that I already bought Proteus for Vita when that went on sale last should, time. Should I buy that? I have it on PC, and I've never played it. People say it's good. If you would actually play it on your PC, just play it on the PC. But I knew... I probably won't. That my computer just doesn't run that stuff very well. I tell you what I did rebuy, though. The that? Walking Dead Season 1. Yeah, on Vita. <laughs> on Vita. Nice. I There seems like it would be more of a chance that I would play it on Vita than there would be me playing it on my MacBook. That's interesting. I, I thought about it and was like, no, because obviously you have to have sound the whole game. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's not a game you could play in front of the TV. Right. Now, like controls and looks wise, the you're not going to do yourself any harm playing it on the Vita. So, yeah, if that works, I think that'll be great. I think that if I had it at, like, at hand in a mode where I want to be playing video games, I will likely revisit it. The only bummer is that I have to replay Chapter One, I assume. And yes. and what I've played of Chapter Two already. So, um, no, I. I think you can fire up any episode you want. That would be cool. Yes. I don't know how, like, the choices... Yeah, if they just, like, ask you them or if it just randomly generates. To be honest, I wouldn't care, especially not after one episode. I don't don't remember the choices I made in the first episode, so... Maybe you should replay it. Yeah, It's a lot of work. About that, I bought Killzone Mercenary because I wanted to see what a shooting game looks like on the Vita. I've downloaded, so the Uncharted game is free on PS Plus, mm-hmm. and I downloaded it. So I'm partway there to uh, yeah. experiencing it for myself. <clears throat> that is unfortunate because that game, the Uncharted game, is saddled or sidled, sidled with a bunch of like touchscreen bullshit. Right. When they were first, that like, sounds like Sony threw. Naughty Dog a bunch of money and said, please, dear God, make this extremely popular PlayStation franchise on our fledgling handheld console using the features we built in. Please, oh God. Oh God, please do it. Please. Man, I have so many games on the Vita, though. Not necessarily Vita games, but just games that are playable on the Vita. I have, let's say, seven pages worth of stuff. That's pretty good. Um, You should download download uh, Gravity Rush. Uh, Okay. I've not done that. I do. I did purchase it so i'd have yeah. it in my library i really liked gravity rush like a yes. whole lot i know most people did not yep um but i i was a big fan so i think you should give it a go i'll try that out i tried playing flower on the vita and i thought it was terrible hmm. i was like controls do not work i like it on i play it on ps4 it's great let's see oh speaking of walking dead you played you played some walking dead i did i played the walking dead season two act one Actually, just today. Um, I So the reviews for that game were not particularly kind um, when it came out, especially after the first, like when compared to the first season, I suppose. And I don't really get it. 
I thought it was fantastic. If there is an, uh, some negativity to throw towards it, it is quite short. Like, I think I finished it an hour and a half. Yeah, it's pretty short. It is that... Well, some of those Walking Dead uh, one episodes took me like three or four hours. Oh, really? Maybe closer to three. Hmm. Um, so this felt very, very brief, but a lot more streamlined. Very little like wandering around and like aimlessly talking to people, going through a bunch of prompts. Mm-hmm. It was much more, I guess, on Railsy, which I thought was good. Like a lot of um, quick time event like sequences, like, oh, run away from this this zombie and this zombie and chop them up. The talking was very streamlined. Because, I mean, there still is definitely adventure game vestigial mechanics in the first Walking Dead game. It's like, click on all the items as you walk they, around the place and so see what they do. That'll be interesting as you see, like, the first episode. They, like, make a clear choice. They completely get rid of the puzzle elements. Oh, huh. They're, they're like, we want, we're at, like... In, in fact, the credits for this one, they had a director, and then it said narrative story by. It did not say written by. Hmm. I, and I felt like that was a deliberate decision to be like, yeah, we kind of made this like choose your own adventure like thing. Um, but you 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 still have an inventory and stuff, but it's it's pretty much it's not as like Monkey Islandy yeah. as it can be in the first game. Let's say. Or the first episode of the first game, and, and maybe even the second. Um, story's great. You play as Clementine this time. It takes place after the first one. Um, I imported my save. I'm not sure what impact that has had so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks a little better. Um, it seems to be using... It, it looks as good as the Fables game did, so there must have been some like engine improvements or art asset improvements. Um in between like their their last set of games in these ones um but it's really good like the the story's great um it's like fucking brutal right off the bat like man kind of unapologetic but but yeah it's a good start i don't know uh hard to review kind of one-fifth of a game um but I, I am excited to play more of it, which is, I suppose, as nice a thing as I can say. Good. So. Well, speaking of playing one portion of a game, uh-huh. you also played Broken Age. Yeah. So uh, what is Broken Age? I actually don't know. I mean, I know it's a double fine game. That's a double, all I know. What it's is double fine adventure? What is it? What kind of game that, is it? That's so that's that's their Kickstarter. You know, that that's that. Yes. The one that got really successful. So it's a point and click adventure game. This is a okay. Monkey Island style game. Okay. This is like very deliberately uh, 2D hand painted like art, like matte art. There is no controller support. There is mouse and left click. That is it. Those are the buttons. All right. Um, and it is very much like you get an inventory and you use item on other item and give it to people. Um, okay. That sounds great. So uh, it is outstanding. So, I, so if you d- don't know what this was, you probably heard about the trial. So the Kickstarter um, ended in February or March of 2012, and they got they raised way more money than they asked for. So they increased the scope of the game and delayed the game till like summer 2013, and then they completely missed that deadline and said, "Okay, what we're gonna do is." We're actually going to put the game out in two acts. It was not originally going to be a two-act game. Okay. 
and we're going to sell it after Act 1 to try to maybe make a little bit more money. So I paid $15, which was the lowest tier, like I get the video game price. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get access to Act 1, and then whenever Act 2 is done, I'll get the back half. Uh, you can buy this game starting next week, I think, for $25. Whoa. And that's the whole game. You got a so good deal. <laughs> so they're going they're doing the like Minecraft style, I guess. Like the the pre buyers get. I man, I, I do not like that. Um I actually like it a lot. Really? Uh yeah. I think um we can talk about it later, but but I uh I wonder kind of long term how it will affect game development of if I see a game for fifteen dollars, unless I'm super excited about it, like it's it's the next um you know, super giant games. I'm going to be like, why would I buy that game? Because I know in three months it's going to be half off, at least. So I kind of, um, I don't know if I would apply it as good to like the Kickstarter projects, but that idea of like, hey, if you want early access or like pre-order it, it's going to be like significantly cheaper. But it it punishes people who are not willing to take the risk on... Or on a game that may not work out. Or does it reward people who are willing to take the risk? Both. (laughs) But but it does does a disservice to one of those people, like in particular. So doing harm to someone is worse than doing good for somebody. It would only do that if the end product wasn't worth the full price. So, for example, if, if there's a game that's worth $20... And the most somebody plays for it is $20. Nobody's getting cheated. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get a discount on it. Did you know that you were getting a t- buying a $25 game for $15? See, there's no, the I, thing. No, like, I had no idea. I had no idea there was anything. Mm-hmm. I just thought I actually bought it r- the last day of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So one, I knew it had been funded. And I was just, and there's like a cool like documentary series along with it. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it. 15 right. bucks. Now it's super nice because it was literally two years ago that money came out of my account. Wow, was that two years? Two years ago. Jeez. March 2012, I got funded. I mean, which is totally reasonable because video games take a long-ass time to develop. Take a long-ass time, right. But So um, the concept of the game is very cool. So uh, you start the game as like the screen is literally split in half and there's a girl character and a boy character. And the boy character is asleep in a like futuristic laser bed on a spaceship mm-hmm. and the girl is asleep in like some kind of like I don't know medieval garb asleep on next to a tree okay and each of these characters has about like a 2 hour adventure my my play clock was almost exactly at 4 hours when i finished you can switch between these characters at either time and you start to realize how these stories intersect in extremely clever ways okay so the the girl story is that she is uh, part of a village that used to be a warrior village, but now they have decided to pacify this monster that continually terrorizes them. And the way they pacify them is like every couple years when he comes around, they like sacrifice a bunch of like girls. But the weird culture of the planet is that the girls are very excited to, like, sacrifice themselves up and they dress themselves very pretty because the monster doesn't eat all of them or, like, take them all. He only takes some of them. And it's, like, a great honor. So she decides oh, the Hunger Games. It's kind of Hunger Gamesy, yes. 
except that it's not like the people doing it, I guess. And everybody's way into it. Like in the Hunger Games, everybody's like, this is fucking bullshit. Right. Okay. Being tortured yes. by the Capitol. Here, literally everybody except this main girl and I think her grandfather are like, why don't we just kill this? So her story is trying to go kill the monster. Okay. The boy's story is he is on a spaceship by himself, um, except for like a robot mom who is awake at the daytime and a robot dad who comes out at night who like he he lives this like cyclical existence of like a super cushy lifestyle um, and he like can't break out of the cycle. So he breaks out of the cycle and starts to explore the spaceship and get up to stuff on his own. Um the play styles are very different because the girls' world is heavily populated and there's a lot of talking to people and solving puzzles that way. Mm-hmm. In the boys' world, there's not any people. So it's much quieter and it's about exploring your environment, finding a bunch of stuff, putting it together, and solving puzzles. Um, and again, I actually played all of the boys' story and then all of the girls' story, but you can switch back and forth. But I felt like, no, this is disorienting. I need to sure. remember like my inventory and stuff. And I assume that time stops in one when you're playing the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can pause it. You can <laughs> freeze pause anytime. All right. Um super funny, like incredibly well written and voice acted. Um it is they've learned a lot making adventure games like that in that I could totally beat it just fine. There's a couple head scratchers, but there were never like when I played through Monkey Island and you would either look up the solution to a puzzle or figure something out. You're like, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. There's no way anybody would reasonably figure that out without guessing. And I never felt like that was the case here. Um, if you want to go ahead and buy it and play it now, go for it. Uh, it ends at a very, very satisfying place, like a smart cliffhanger that brings the two stories together. Um, I don't know. It looks gorgeous. Like you should at least look up screenshots. It's got this like cool, it's all hand painted and like has a very, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, it just like looks like the brush strokes are very visible. Okay. Like, like, like that kind of style. Um, it's great. I had a blast playing it. I kind of just, um, I knew it was short and I already had it. So I'm like, let's fire this up and play it. Play it on my TV. Cool. That was good. So, yeah. Broken Age. There's that. We'll see whenever the next part comes out. It's only two parts. Yeah. That's. I find that I don't like episodic things as much as the, the initial promise of episodes. Uh-huh. Um, particular, I mean, if it's on a schedule, that's okay. But right. when you don't necessarily know when the next one's coming out, like between the uh, Bioshock, C DLC, like I'm not at all excited for the second one of those at this point because I've totally lost the momentum. Well, because and the first episode wasn't very good. Well, that's, I think, the real risk, like at least with with Broken Age and Walking Dead. Hey, maybe the rest of the game is bad. That could absolutely happen. Okay, but at least but at least what I've played is good. So my momentum is up. Right. But yeah, that's 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 a tough deal to break. All right. I got a couple more things on here. I'll do them quickly. Uh, Number one, I, I downloaded the Final Fantasy Bravely default demo for the 3DS. Yeah. And I told you the issue with it. You did. Here's the issue. You use the circle pad to move your character around the screen. And then you press the button to talk to somebody. And then when the menu pops up, you can no longer use the circle pad to select things on the menu. Instead, you have to move your thumb down to the D-pad to navigate any menu. So you're running around. 
with the circle pad, you get into a battle to select all the actions in the thing, move your thumb down, use the D-pad in the That's battle. That's nonsense. It, and and it, like, it's not like the circle pad is being used for something else. It just stops working entirely. And that D-pad is not the most convenient thing on the 3DS. It is, no. it is really low, so you constantly have to like shift the DS in your hands to reach it. Like You don't just get to move your thumb down. Yeah, I actually like that circle pad all right. Yeah, it's, to- it's totally fine. I mean, there's, there are always going to be cases where you want to be able to say yes, just left or right. Um, but it seems almost inexcusable. That, yeah. that. So I'm not going to buy that game. Yeah, that's it. I think that that's sad. Hey, speaking of, of controls, not the derail you here. So when I got the PSP, I was kind of ragging against mm-hmm. it. I'm now totally down with the joystick. I think that's totally 100% fine. No issues. Mm-hmm. However, Thomas was alone. I have a problem. I actually have this problem in all games. I keep touching the screen with my thumbs. Okay. And the front like, screen, the front screen. Okay. I am holding the, this is a phone, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm holding it in such a way where my, my thumbs, like if it's, if I've got the joystick with like the ball of my thumb here, okay. I'm touching the screen all the time. Now in most games, I don't think this is a problem, but in Thomas was alone, tapping the screen changes characters. Oh, so for the longest time I was like, what is this game totally broken? Like what's going on? You're, you're right. So on the, the, the Vita in particular, the buttons are close enough to the edge that you kind of feel like you're like pinching it to hold yes. it into place. Yes. You don't get like a firm grip on the entire thing unless you find a way to cradle the bottom of the Vita in your palm. So I could totally understand how that, that would be happening. Here. I do find that after long periods of time, the Vita, while yeah. a very comfortable screen mm-hmm. or like a very comfortable thing to hold and it's light yeah. does that, that part of it does make my fingers hurt. Man, that the, the 3DS though, that that thing's heavy in comparison. Hefty, yeah. I don't know about the regular 3DS, but the XL Talks we've got, up. yeah, that thing's that thing's a hunk, hunk a mess. All right, I started up Assassin's Creed Four Black You're Flag. You're a pirate. You're I'm a, a pirate. I'm a pirate. Um, so th- I wish I almost wish that you had at the beginning of the game the option to either go to Abstergo Industries or just skip that entirely. Be like, do you want this to tie into the series? Select no, just pirate all the way. So, yeah, and that's what I feel like the game does a disservice to both goals. Yeah. Because if you don't give a shit about that, you have to suffer through some pretty boring sequences. There's only three, three or four, maybe. Sure. But in the back um, of your mind, you're like, oh, this yeah, is like... It's coming up anytime. And on the on the flip side... Okay, so as I've said, I like that that arc conceit, yeah. that arc, okay? And they make you go digging for it mm-hmm. through not fun mini games and a lot of text logs and now the audio logs which are pretty cool. But they're they're like buried just enough that I'm like I don't know if the like time spent to reward is really worth it. And it makes me mad cuz everybody I know who's played through that stuff is like, "Oh no, it's like legit totally awesome. Like you get a whole ton of history in Desmond and his lineage and like hints at potential future games and a lot of cool conceits about like Ubisoft making this game within the game. That's mm-hmm. really neat. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. All that shit is stuff I would eat up with a spoon having played the whole series, but I'm not going to sit there and right. play shitty electronic Frogger and then read a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. You're going to Wikipedia it instead. <laughs> right. Right. No. Um, so yeah, playing the game, I'm a pirate 
you know, I, you know me, I like pirate stuff. I know a lot of yep. the characters who are in the game, how they fit right. into the history of piracy. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's Ben Hortigold. Yes, of course. This makes sense. I was like, uh, that's, um, oh, what's, what's her name? Something kid. She's, she's the, the lady pirate that pretends oh, yeah. to be a man. So gotcha. I'm like, oh yeah, I know, like, I know these people are, um, the, oh, there's Sean Fanning. <laughs> the boat stuff is good. Uh, so f- yeah, it throws you into it in a weird way where it wants you t- to have the excitement of a boat battle without it being a tutorial. And then you don't really know what you're doing. And so it wasn't nope. until like the second or third time that I was in a boat shooting at stuff that I really got it. The jumping and climbing on stuff is great. So I didn't play Assassin's Creed three. So I haven't experienced the like running through trees bit, but that, oh. it, that all works seam- seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still has the, the dumbass jank where you'd be running around and you suddenly hit a wall and you jump up and try to grab and you don't want to, you just want to run forward. It's an interesting philosophy that I actually appreciate playing some other games that want to map functions to specific buttons. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed is like, everything's a button. Yeah. So you're never going to forget what a button is. Well, like a button and the like right trigger button, I guess. But sometimes it's not going to do exactly what you want. Yeah, so we're, sometimes we're good enough at guessing, but not perfect. Climb and jump to your death are mapped to the same button. Uh, or you're like jumping. There's a bunch of logs in in um, a body of water and you just want to jump across the logs and you're off a little bit. So it's like dive in the water. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, totally. But now that I'm resettled back into using the assassins, why does this, why does my computer say not charging? Are you plugged in? Yeah, I'm plugged in. Oh fuck. It's my battery busted. Sorry. I'm just, I want to make sure that my computer is not going to die in the middle of recording. Technical difficulties. Cause it has the little lightning bolt in the battery thing. I think we're okay. Mm, I'm not sure we're okay. My computer's power supply is fine because it would be off if it was not plugged yeah. in. Yeah. Well, this is my old laptop. I bought a new battery for it, and Ooh. okay, it's his power source power adapter. So, um, is there something wrong with the battery? I'm good. Uh-huh. Sorry. So yeah, so far so good. I'm only a few, three hours in, maybe. Oh yeah, so you got a long way to go. Um, I like yeah. it. I just got yeah, upgrade that ship. I just got the first opportunity to upgrade the ship, so that is Great. that will tell you where I am. Awesome. Okay. Now you. So now almost. Well, much of the game has opened up to you. There's a couple more things you can yeah. get, but yeah, upgrading your your cannons, getting your front cannons, upgrading your hull. I like collecting pirate crew. Yep. The pirate crew's great. Do Do you have the like ship mini game? Can you capture other ships yet? No. Uh. Okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. That was one of the last and things send, I did. Send to what's his face's fleet. No, I that that I don't know what that is yet. Okay, I have might, I've done my first my first capture of a ship. Okay, then you might have it, or there man, maybe it's close. Anyway, yeah. go down into like your captain's quarters, mm-hmm. like under where the wheel is. Go to the map and see if you can do stuff. Okay, yeah, it certainly has not introduced that stuff to me explicitly. Okay, oh, looking forward to it. I'm glad you're playing it. Maybe this will be. Is this? It's your first Assassin's Creed game in a long time. You finished No, didn't two? didn't finish two. Oh, damn. Well, Did you finish one? No. One okay. is bad. One is kind of bad. <laughs> and two, I just got tired of it. Right. All right, so now let's talk about Persona 4. Big news. I have finished Persona 4 twice. <laughs> 
So not uh, all the way through. No, not all the way through. Uh, last, I think it was last week. I, I finished that like last weird dungeon, the, the special bonus dungeon in persona four golden. And I did the ending sequence. I said, goodbye to everybody got on the train and left. And then I thought, I don't think, I don't think that's the end of the game. I remember there being more to this when I watched the endurance run. Mm-hmm. Went online, looked it up. I missed an entire dungeon and the like final last boss because nuts. if you hadn't looked at a walkthrough, I have no idea how anyone would know how to finish that game with a good ending. That's bullshit. It's, so, it's, so you had like solved the mystery yep. or whatever. Okay. Everything's wrapped up. But so the story as presented was finished. Correct. But then there is the Persona world, the Shin Megami mythology. Oh. That is the like last dungeon and the last Got boss. It. Got it. So went and redid that and last night finished the game again. Yay. Uh, I want to say like 91% finished in the compendium. Son of a bitch. Which is pretty good. There were a bunch of things that I did not or social link up to level 10, so I couldn't get the top level persona. I got... What else? Oh, so the stuff that carries over into New Game Plus is your persona compendium, your experience level and your money i think that's it so when i liquidated my assets i sold everything i didn't need from all the characters just so i would have a bunch of money into the next game so i can use it to pull stuff out of the uh, persona compendium finish the game and it has it has the the ending like the get on the train ending and then it has like an epilogue where you like six months later you go back to the town and see everyone again and how everything has changed. And it was extraordinarily satisfying. This is all new for persona Four golden. Okay. Really satisfying. Kanji has dyed his hair black, which what? is crazy town. And I, I felt extraordinarily good when I put that game down last night. It was like, all right, you ready to get your new game plus file? I said, yes, it goes there turned off the Vita, and I just felt so good. So, done with Persona 4. Nice. 125 hours. That is crazy. Yeah. I mean... That's so crazy! I assume that that is a pretty accurate count, because I did not... Like, with the Vita, you just, you know, flick it off. So it's not like you're leaving it paused. Right, right. Um, you know, that game certainly does not have to be that long. I don't know what... I don't know where those extra hours came from. Because it's not like Persona 3, where I did a lot of grinding, and was trying to get the compendium up infusing a bunch of stuff but fuck man that game is fantastic you should you should play it i'm an hour and 42 minutes into persona 4 yes i boy the intro of that game is long yeah story 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 i'm not even close to a dungeon yet like they just hopped in the tv for the first time okay like met teddy and hopped out i think i'm on day like four four or five maybe there's a lot of story so you've done you fought shadow yosuke no no i have not fought i've not been in a battle oh okay huh we went in the tv and went out so like the last thing i watched was saw the midnight channel for the first time talked to chie and yosuke at school and they're like that's crazy and then you talked about because remember your like arm goes in your little tv Mm -hmm. And they're like, whoa, that didn't happen to me. So then we go to Juness to look at the big TVs. Yep. And then we go in the TV. And then we meet Teddy. And then we, like, go out. He, like, lets us out. Okay. He's like, people keep throwing people in here. It's annoying. 
And then I went home and went to sleep, and that's, that's where I am right now. Do you think you'll stick with it? I don't know. So okay. I've been trying to get to battles so I can reasonably like play it during TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm encouraged because the game looks fantastic and sounds great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did I a like really that. nice job with that package. And it's I, perfect for the Vita screen. I think the new Chie voice actor is better. She is a better voice actor, but I do not like her accent. Like she has a little lisp or something that drives me crazy. I can see that. It's it's she reminds me of Joan Cusack. Oh, eh, all right. All right. A little shrill. And I don't like Joan Cusack. I mean, yeah. I like Joan Cusack uh-huh. as a as a person, as a as a thing in the world, but I don't <laughs> right. I don't want to listen to Joan Cusack. I I understand. Um the music's great. Yeah, the just the, just the whole thing seems very good, very well suited to that screen. So I don't know. I'm playing it now. I was playing more Shimigami Tensei Four, and just like I don't know. I'll just I'll just put in this and see where it goes. Yeah. So I don't know. I still have not committed. Yeah. I mean, you already have one SMT game going on. I can understand if if you do not feel like pick, uh, committing to Persona Four at the moment, but it is encouraging for me to know that you have the game in your possession. You're firing it up. You're kind of easing into it. Yep. I want to. So I want to get because a part of the problem is this. It's very. I mean, it's like good story stuff and super fun and blah blah blah. I've seen all this before though. Yeah. And it's really just pushing, like reading and pushing X. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's good that you've been watching some of the endurance run. It's unfortunate that you got so far into that endurance run at this point, thinking about playing it almost immediately after watching that. You know, I had a year and a half or two years in between right. see watching that stuff. So a lot of the day to day things I totally forgot about, and that stuff is probably more fresh for you having watched yeah. that in the last six months or whatever you've been watching it. But I think it will be fun to get into the battle system, especially watching that and having played some SMT four. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I feel like I'm going to hit the ground running with that stuff. Oh yeah. I feel like I'm going to be okay. And then you can make up for all of Vinny's incompetencies. Oh man. Uh, still, still so tough to watch, but uh, man, what a great, what a great package. That's good. So you're, so you're playing, you're let's see this next up. You've got a series near and dear to my heart. I'm thinking of playing Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah! Randomly, so... Kevin's playing it. You should play it. I've played it a long time ago. Last time... So over the summer, before I was playing... Well, like while I was playing Persona 3, but before I started Chrono Cross on the Vita, I, I booted up Final Fantasy VII. I played that for a little while. Still didn't love it. And I, I started up Final Fantasy VIII... Like, didn't even leave the school at the beginning or whatever, like the tutorial stuff. And I was just like, ah, just not feeling this right now. But I wasn't necessarily committed to playing it. I was just looking at it. So now I think that is a game because it's the one I have not touched. Because, right. you know, I played 10 hours of nine, 15 hours of seven, or, or maybe, yeah, probably 15 hours of seven or so. But so I, I think zero I, I think of eight. I, I think I've said this before or something similar to it. If you don't know you're going to play at least t- 10 hours of eight, you should play something else. Okay. Because it starts off um, not slow, but very, like, focused. Mm-hmm. And if so if you played, like, four or five hours of that game, you don't know, like, what that game is yet. 
But if you play 10 hours of it and it kind of opens up and you're like, fuck this game, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I feel like you would probably know enough. Mm-hmm. Say fuck this game. Because there's a lot of like set up, a lot of story. Similar to the way that Final Fantasy VII, you're in the like city for so long before they open up. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. But even like the, the mechanics of eight are so strange. The way like. You don't have MP, but each spell has a limited number of uses, but those map to different abilities, and those abilities go down the more you use map, and it's crazy. That's a great game, and it'll be cool. It's bananas to me how much better it looks than 7. Like, only a couple years later Mm -hmm. on the same hardware. I like 8. I think 8's pretty good. Cool. That's it. Well, should we do some news? We should do some news, because there's a lot of news. Still have the news music. Well, for the rare occasions when we have news, yeah, we've got to hoe down over the news. Let's, uh, let's boogie on over to the International Consumer Electronics Show, where two big pieces of news were made. Oh, the CES. At the CES, um, Sony revealed kind of the, the first bit of details on PlayStation Now. Now! Which, which is how they're branding the uh, Gaikai streaming service that Sony bought a couple years ago. It, I tell you what, PlayStation Now is both a meaningless name and also not a bad name. It's not bad. I think it's fine. Because, like, any name that's going to be short enough is going to be pretty meaningless. Yep. So having something meaningful and, like, vague enough like i think xbox live is also a very good name mm-hmm. i actually think xbox is a very good name yeah and playstation actually they're kind of like they mean nothing but they just they describe what it is in a way and like they can like evolve like as it yeah. starts this is a box that plays direct x games yeah and what am i getting games now what can i play about playstation yeah PlayStation. uh so the the kind of end goal is that you'll be able to play ps1 2 and 3 games um, on your PlayStation 4, as well as PlayStation Vita, uh, maybe PlayStation 3, um, mobile devices, maybe some of Sony's other technologies like high-end TVs or Blu-ray players. Um, but there, there's going to be a very slow, limited rollout. There'll be some kind of beta service. Mm-hmm. Um, the full service will launch this summer with some games, and then games will be generally added to the platform. They're not talking about pricing, so I assume it will be an added cost on top of your PS Plus membership. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or, or some kind of combo where, like, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you get limited access to, like, these games, and then you can pay an additional charge to get, like, a full library. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could say it or, um, or you know, roll it out. But um, I think the initial stuff we'll see will be PS3 games on PS4. I wonder how the rent, like, the individual rentals are going to work. Like, are you renting it yes. for the word? Or if they'll do it. Well, they've, they've said that they're going to do individual game rentals and a subscription service. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but I don't know if rental means, you know, you pay us and you can play the game, but you never get to actually own it because it's just streaming to you. But you can play the I game. I would assume so. Yeah. Or if there's like a time limited thing, like a real rental used to be. Like, you get the game for two weeks, you know, X amount of money, two weeks, play it as much as you it want. Would- it would almost make sense. I actually think it would be better for consumers and maybe more logical for them is if you paid for hours. Ah, the old like AOL model. The old AOL model. Dial up like, into your game. Right. 
five ninety nine an hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. So starting up with PlayStation Three game, or starting up with on the PlayStation Three, yeah. which is I, weird to me. Why not? Is it just because they had that hardware to test it for mo- so much longer? That'd be my guess. Or like that's a, an easier sell. Like if they're like, we can stream you Crash Bandicoot. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna give a shit. If you're like, um. We can stream Metal Gear Solid Two. Maybe more people give a shit. But if you're like, we can we can stream Uncharted Three mm-hmm. on your phone. That's appealing. It definitely seems like their their ambitions for this are pretty high. And when you think about just using a local device that has an internet connection and a s- screen to remote play something on hardware elsewhere, it's pretty limitless, mm-hmm. right? So they're definitely. It seems like they're playing their cards close to the vest. Like here's all these things we could do. We're going to roll it out slowly and deliberately, see what works and what doesn't, which seems super smart to me. Yeah. Don't like, try to do it all at once. Don't try to do it all at once. Don't don't overpromise. Um, you know, hint at the promise of the system, but don't be like, oh, yeah, you're be playing like stuff on your on your Android phone like in six months, mm-hmm. like PlayStation three games. Like, no, you're not. But that idea is there i don't know i don't know this this is a pretty exciting prospect i think i'm very cautiously optimistic yeah i think it all with a good library and a reasonable price price is a real question because if or just like value is a real question because you know i I could imagine that this technology will take a little while to get footholds and you're not going to have the exact same experience as playing a disc locally with latency issues and stuff yeah i'm i'm okay with all that so so long as it's a good value and it depends on the game right like if you're streaming persona and your latency is bad who cares yeah exactly if if i'm streaming call of duty obviously that's that's a pretty big deal did you see the news earlier my news i I got beta access (laughs) oh i did bobby's holding up an on live console it's the size of a uh external hard drive does that when you plug that in does it do anything anymore i have no idea Oh, you should do it. I guess so. Because they canceled the on-live service, right? Like, it's dead. Yes. Yeah, you cannot do on-live. So I I can't imagine what it would do if I plugged it in. Um, Like, if, if it just should, goes to, like, a, sorry, we're closed to screen or what. Or try to boot something. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. You should, you should see it. And if it really is junk, you should do a teardown. Hey. <laughs> you mean smash it on the floor? <laughs> yeah. If, you know, I played some of uh, Dead Island using this. Just a demo. Okay. Not so great. Yeah. And the thing about that is it's not that the on live was necessarily like ahead of its time and we didn't have the internet speeds then. I have the exact same internet speed now. So I'm a little cautious about how the PlayStation stuff is going to work. Well, I'm, I think- I'm sure it's not on their it's not necessarily on their end that it's going to be slow. It's going to be on my end for my my ISP. Well, my guess is Based on on live and and other services, as well as like the guy Kai people's expertise, having built it for several years before Sony even looked at it, mm-hmm. I bet that's why they're like, okay, there's a lot of asterisks here in getting this to work. We need to build a solid infrastructure on the back end, yeah, and we need to not overload things and really do a lot of experimentation down the road. So yeah. I actually like the slow rollout, but um, it's cool. I. I'm excited to see what they have to do. It it is the first like really unique thing that we've seen come out of the next generation of consoles. I, I agree. Like it that that's huge. As a PS4 owner, I'm excited to see it. Um also at the CES. Yep. Um at the CES we we saw the Steam Machine prototypes. 
uh, a bunch of companies announced computers. Congratulations, companies. Yeah, uh, I feel like maybe this is too harsh. If you are excited about a Steam machine, you should not be after these. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, here are computer prices that look completely reasonable mm-hmm. when compared to modern day computer prices, except they run an odd flavor of Linux yeah. or of Linux. Yeah. Not a boot. Um, I don't, yeah. Like, like I think I said before, like these only like, so the cheapest ones, so anyway, the, we don't need to go through them all, but there's a wide variety of different prices mm-hmm. and specs. And not surprisingly, the cheaper ones have lower specs and the higher ones have higher specs. The cheaper ones are 500 bucks. So in line with the most expensive console you can buy right now, mm-hmm. except without as good internals. Yeah. Though it does have a full like OS, you can put whatever you want on it, I guess. Well, um, you, this it is, does not have a full OS. You have to add a, f- you could put a full OS on it. Well, in the, in the sense that you, you could run, you could buy windows. <laughs> yeah. Basically. You could also like, I mean, you know, Linux, you can do your stuff on, on there. Sure. As, as do a, do work on Linux. <laughs> well, in quotes, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the thing about it is when you have something that people are really excited for, the idea of everyone, I mean, for so long, people said, I want Steam in my living room. I want a Steam box. For them to come out of the gate with something that's just not at all, like not even moderately exciting, they should have had one company that they worked with specifically to get no that's the, that defeats the whole purpose no but i'm i'm saying like th- there needs to be one of these things that people would want to buy right like if you want S- steam t- or you want people to get excited about steam you have to say like hey buy this one this is like kind of buying this is like buying a console this is for you person who was considering what to do do i get a playstation 4 do i get a xbox one or do i get a steam machine and none of these say you should get one of these instead of those other consoles right they they only appeal to people I feel like who are already totally into buying a high end gaming PC. Right. And look at the companies who are on here. So, um, I know weird companies like Alienware yeah. and Dell. Yeah, well, Alien- Falcon Northwest. Okay, people who are buying people, the average consumer doesn't know what iBuyPower is. iBuyPower has been around forever. Totally, that's not a recognizable name, right? Yeah. Uh, some of these I don't even know, like web hail, like uh, stuff that I've never even heard of. Uh, looking through yeah, web Zotac, yeah. I think Zotac makes cases. Zotac's one looks like a router, like a wireless router. Is that one of the cheap ones? It's six hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah, it just I don't know if I think that they should have done something to get people excited. Like I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to say like I want a lot of companies to be competing to make a bunch of cool boxes, and everyone has choice in how much they want to spend. I understand less than ever who this is for. I guess. Yes, exactly. Like who who is who is going to buy one of these instead of buying or bu- buying another PC or building a PC? Right. Um, I mean, maybe it, I assume that more people are building PCs than they actually are, and you know there are not a lot of options necessarily. I don't know. I would think if that assumption was wrong, like people wouldn't put games on PCs at all, but people put games on PCs more and more. No, no, so no, I have I, to feel like I'm there's saying enough. People are building their own PCs. Oh, oh, okay. Instead of, a, but just buying like right. off the shelf high end. Got right. It. So 
yeah, I'm just, I'm not sure who it's for yet. I, I do hope my one hope is that them wanting to put a console in the living room, or them wanting to put a PC in the living room or computer in the living room is going to encourage more manufacturers to build smaller cases, more mini ITX cases. Totally. That, that is an exciting prospect because that is the kind of thing that you can put on your entertainment center. And, you know, look, I've been looking at it because I was considering buying, like building my own PC this semester. And the options are just really limited. Even, even though the cases that people like, the BitPhoenix Prodigy case, which is a cool looking case as an totally. old Mac Pro style, just smaller. That is still like a big honking piece of plastic that I don't have room for next to my TV. You know, I need well, something. The, but think about it. if you don't want to buy a big honking piece of plastic, you got to like do some weird water cooling nonsense or fan stuff to get everything packed in there. Uh, I mean, not necessarily. It it all depends on what, you, what you're putting into it, right? Like, yeah. uh, okay, I, I'm yeah. not putting dual graphics cards in there. I need I'll like have a small small fan on the back. I don't need a killer. Uh, power supply i don't necessarily need a disk drive i need no i'll probably put an ssd in there and a you know regular hard drive do like a 256 ssd and then like a two terabyte yeah exactly like i there's not a whole lot that's going inside of my case that's going to fill up that space so you don't have to go crazy with with external cooling and things too but that's the thing though like if i was gonna if i was gonna build a pc i would be like well if i'm gonna spend the money and the effort. Let's fucking do this. Mm-hmm. Let's make it fly. Otherwise, I'm just going to buy a PS4. But, but if, if you wanted to play games on something, you would but buy if I'm gonna, a PC instead of a PS4. I, but what my, my attitude would be like, I a good enough gaming PC would just be the current consoles. So if I was going to build a gaming PC, it doesn't make – unless you're talking about, like, the library of games available on Steam. Yeah. The, I have all these games that I can't play because I bought them hoping that one day I would have something that would play them. Sure. And I don't, you know, I don't need to play games at the highest settings. I want something that is convenient. Like, I'm, I want to pay for convenience. Yeah, but if you pay for something now where you can play things at the middle settings, in two years, now you can't play games anymore. So it would make more sure. sense to, if you're already going with the initial investment, spend a couple hundred extra bucks, go high end, so that thing will last you a good five years. Yeah, but then I can't put years. it next to my TV. Well, of course not. <laughs> so, so then we're back to square one. Exactly. And and, and I'm fine making trade-offs for that, that kind of convenience. But, yeah. um, none of these in particular were exciting. So we'll see. They also announced that the Steam controller will not have a touchpad on it anymore. Yep, which is, it's interesting that they're, in fact, still, like, working on that stuff. Yeah. Which I think is smart, like. I don't know if it ever needed a trackpad or touchpad, whatever it was. But, I mean, buttons are good. And it has two two trackpad things already for the sticks. Yeah. Or replacement of the sticks, so. On the PlayStation 4, that they have that big middle trackpad. Mm -hmm. You could you could theoretically use in Assassin's Creed 3 or 4 for moving around the map. It sucked. It didn't work at all. Yeah. But it's a big button. I push it sometimes. Yeah. It works. So that's the uh, that's your Steam news. That's your Steam news. So now, let's talk about some news that came out on Friday. Uh, Nintendo did not have so good of a year. No. <laughs> so they had projected to make a bunch of money and instead lost a lot of money. Is that? That sounds right. That sounds like. 
the news in a nutshell, let's say. Okay. So they're projected to make, uh, where's this wired story that I had lost again, Nintendo loses heaps of money. So they're projected to make 520 million dollars. And instead, they lost $240 million. Whoa. Yeah. Um, they also predicted to sell 9 million Wii's, Wii U's, and they only sold 2.8 million. Less than a third. Yeah. So, you know, there's a difference for me between predictions and, like, reasonable expectations. So, a say, a $520 million profit or whatever... That may be an overprediction, and that may be you know made for a number of reasons. Oh, we want to make the stock prices look better, appease stockholders, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but there's also a difference between like internal goals right. and what you publicly say, right? And so to publicly predict a certain amount, and then to lose almost eight, like, to be eight hundred million dollars difference between what you predict and and what you end up with. I mean that's not something that you can ignore. And it's one thing to look at it in terms of raw dollars, but it's, I think it's more meaningful to look at it as a percentage of how wrong they were. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. Cause companies they, are wrong all the time and companies pe- are wrong all the time. And number like profit and loss numbers are relative to the size of the company. Right. But saying like, <laughs> no, not right. <laughs> it's all companies have the ability to make $500 million. Right. Okay. But but it's more interesting to say like, hey, the money we thought we were going to make, we're not making that. We're actually losing half that much. Mm-hmm. So we're th- we're like a magnitude of three hundred percent wrong. Yeah. And there's all people saying, yeah, you know, people predicting, oh, this is it. This is the final straw. This is the the death of Nintendo right here for no, a company that's the, out of touch. This is the first straw. Sure. Um, Nintendo has had or like the third or fifth straw, maybe. Well, no, this is <laughs> so Nintendo has had a lot of very, very profitably successful consoles, yeah. even if they haven't been directly competing with the number of units that Microsoft and Sony are selling. Totally, totally. They've been super profitable and doing their own thing. Yeah, they, now, they had they do they good a, business as themselves. They do, exactly. Now the 3DS definitely had a bit of a misstep when it launched. They cut the price. Um, released a bunch of good games, um, had that like early adopter program. Mm-hmm. So they seem to like get that back on the right track. Um, but even when even when those problems seemed obvious, they seemed very solvable. You're like, oh, that's too expensive, and you need you don't have the good games that the DS had. Like those problems were solved. Mm-hmm. You look at something like the Wii U, and you're like, this just seems like a f- I don't know how you fix this idea. Yeah, everything about it. Like none of it is hitting right. The the actual hardware, the the console piece itself is not great. Nope. Like the thing that says on the TV under the TV, the second screen controller weird tablet is also odd. It's it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what made the Wii successful. Mm-hmm. Like not only as you've mentioned, the climate is very different, right? There's not a lot of things competing for a general audience's attention, social networking or cell phone games or whatever. But it's also the fact that the, the Wii games were super fun. Like the motion controls were simple and easy to understand. Mm-hmm. It came with a perfect proof of concept like Wii U or I'm sorry, like Wii sports. Um, they added on things like, like we, we fit and then brought out some successful Mario games that made it happen. The 
concept of the Wii U is immediately non-intuitive. Nintendo has not proven that as an interesting example, and it demands more of the game player than wagging a Wii modem around ever did. Exactly. So the Wii, the original Wii, worked well because it was a a decent thing itself for a casual audience that had enough games that if you're someone who you know was would consider yourself like a hardcore player basically anyone who's going to spend a bunch of money on video games that's that's how i equate sure hardcore versus casual um eventually you were sold on it and whether that be because it was a social thing where you wanted to play it with your friends or family or right. you wanted to play super mario galaxy and smash brothers like there was just it, there's enough going on the- it's also at the time when, like, you people forget how well Guitar Hero 3 did on that machine, like a very different kind of casual game that works there. Sure. There's a lot of things kind of like yeah. and, uh, and And the Wii U doesn't hit either of those audiences. No, it, it's... If, if we're saying that kind of the two pieces of success for the Wii were good idea, well executed, the things that Nintendo was responsible for, as well as kind of this luck kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. This... Um, it's a good timing. Casual audience. Yeah, good timing, let's just say. So maybe the timing's not as well as as good. But Nintendo also didn't do themselves any favors. They had a horrible lineup of software for the first year plus of the console's existence. Mm-hmm. Um, really until Super Mario World. Super Mario 3D, 3D World. World. Yeah. Um, and so that's a good game, and that's important. That's good to get good software on that. But they still haven't made software that demonstrates their core caveat. Right. The need for a new machine. Yeah. So, you know, I I think the Wii... I don't think the Wii U will ever prove itself out. Um, I think no. I think that what Nintendo really should do is put all of its eggs in its 3DS basket. Yes, they did not sell as many of those as they expected to, but I still think in terms of a potential marketplace, there is greater room there for handhelds than there are for consoles. Totally. And and, the, and unlike the Wii U or the Wii or, gosh, any system since Super Nintendo, Nintendo enjoys fantastic third-party support on their 3DS, mm-hmm. as they did on their DS and systems beforehand. You know, I think it was Chris Kohler from Wired who said something to the effect of the, the biggest thing that Nintendo has to face is that they have a let's say $200 or $175, however much you can get a 3DS for piece of hardware. And then you still have to pay money for games. And right. for most people, like you buy an iPod touch or I guess iPads. Now you buy an iPad or people have their phone. You either are buying a like relatively expensive piece of hardware and then you get a ton of stuff for free or, right. you know, you are already buying it cause you're getting a phone and then you get a bunch of stuff for free that you don't have to pay any money for. Right. Like, right. The, the reason that iOS games are successful is not because pe- the, the touchscreen is this miraculous thing. It's because they're free. You can just download, like, you download something for free. It costs you... They're, f- they're free or a dollar, and they have this kind of low barrier, low impact thing. Sure. I, like, I, I think you can that- just get a bunch of them. I, I would actually like to know... I would love more specific numbers I- about how much time people spend playing those games versus like how much they download. Like the average I actually think the, the, the game comparison is poor. I think it's about time. I think that people have a finite amount of time. I don't think it's not that a good game is still worth a good amount of money. Oh yeah. <clears throat> right. No, we're, we're agreeing. I think we agree. I think, I think we agree. So it's not that, Oh, um, candy crush and angry birds are doing well for free or a dollar. So that means then that you can't sell a $40 handheld game. Right. I don't think that's, I don't think those are true. 
I think it's that people are buying this device that plays these cheap games and also has Snapchat and Facebook and web browsing and texting and Netflix and all these other things mm-hmm. they're doing. And that's competing with the time they may have pulled out a dedicated device for. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I was saying like the what people the expectations out of a mobile game that you get for free are well or a dollar say, you know, I only have a half hour. A dollar seems reasonable for something that may last me an hour, but it's a much greater leap to say I have, like I have you know, forty hours and I want to spend one hundred and twenty dollars on a bunch of different games to fill that amount of time. I see. I actually think I think people understand the difference between. Uh, Candy Crush and Super Mario or Zelda. I I wonder. I wonder if the casual audience understands that difference as much. Like that the casual audience See, is, think, is just as happy playing Candy Crush as they would be playing Super Mario. I think the interest in games is low. So I think that that's why, well, if the barrier to entry is a dollar and I can, I haven't lost anything if I don't like it and I can just kind of play this. <laughs> to- whatever, totally, totally. I think, I think people play those games the same way they flip through their Facebook feed. Yep. Or uh, channel surf. In the same way that people would be willing to pay a lot to go see a movie because they know, like, I'm getting a big screen in this experience and I understand that this is more expensive, but it's also different than just me watching Netflix on my phone, you know? Sure, but I think it's, like, people who are just as happy watching primetime dramas on the broadcast networks as they would, or are just as happy doing that, and that's why they're not buying HBO. Yes, I agree. Okay, yeah, so... It's it's just a the market is so different now from what Nintendo is used to facing, and they certainly will have to make some changes. I don't think Nintendo is going anywhere. I don't necessarily see Nintendo putting their games on phones and that kind of stuff. I think there's just too no. much cultural stuff that's rooted in the company to make those kinds yes. of changes. Um, but they're they're just I I, I do I do think the Wii U is probably unfixable. Mm-hmm. I don't think that means the end of Nintendo. I don't think it means like Nintendo should never make another console. They should could plug in the TV, but they need to figure some stuff out. Yeah. Like uh, there was a, a wired article a couple weeks ago. I wish I had it in front of me about like a, a third party developers experience, like building a game for the Wii. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. Article. I did not read it. No, it's quite good. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that, that isn't too surprising, but the most surprising stuff was they were trying to get details on the online service beforehand and were saying things, okay, can you do this like you can do on PlayStation Plus or, or this like you can do on Xbox Live? And the translator was saying, like, you're going to need to be more general. None of the developers here have ever used those systems. Hmm. And and Kids. it's just like so you're going to need when you say things like friends list or whatever you're going to need to be a little bit more explicit because that's not a point of reference that they have that's that's weird and it's funny because that's fucking bananas yeah that, that's also like unacceptable even if you're like we're not going to do things that way like you need to understand how other people do things to I mean, deliberately make the choice my, to do something my different. my wife who gives zero shits about video games when i was talking about our the list for today we're chatting about stuff and we're talking about nintendo and she said it doesn't because i told her the the news and she said well it doesn't seem like the people at nintendo play video games no i don't think they do and that's and and it's weird because like i mean how would how would someone like you know my wife who's entirely detached from all this even get that sense that 
that it's not a company that stays current on what technology is doing. That's just, it's just out there. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting, that's fast. I would be interested to know like why, why she has that Mm -hmm. perception. Maybe is it just because they, they use the same characters again and again. And to some degree, everybody has an, an awareness of Mario and Zelda. Yeah. Or Mario Kart or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think that there needs to be a lot of soul searching and a lot of planning and, uh, Yep. Yep. I don't know. It's uh I certainly don't want Nintendo to fail. <laughs> part of part of these numbers of course not. Well, and that's that's the key thing that um we can get into as we get into our list is that anybody who wants a winner is an idiot. <laughs> is an idiot because competition is so good for the end user. Right? Yeah. Like I bought a PlayStation 4. I hope the Xbox One is a fantastic console that sells tons of units. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because that will continue to motivate the company I've invested in to do a bang-up job of putting games and services on this console. Yes. Okay? That's just logical. If the Xbox were to fail, and the Wii fails, and Sony's the only game in town, now we're talking about wheel spinning, right? And I'm probably just going to get Assassin's Creed's and Call of Duties. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I 100% buy the like competition produces better results argument, but it certainly helps. <laughs> it's that is not the only thing that produces good games and stuff. I definitely that's a way oversimplification. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, a way oversimplification because that takes a lot of the onus off of the developers themselves. But at least in terms of a services mm-hmm. aspect, is probably a little bit stronger there. Um. As well as like co-marketing dollars. So any anyway, it, it's good. It's just in general. It, well, there's a lot of factors that go into making consoles and games good. Competition certainly is good. So, yeah, we need Nintendo out there. All right. Um, well, then, shall we do it? It's been a long we time. Sh- we should do it. Good morning, Captain. Well, good morning to you. The list. Down on your new mud run. <laughs> All right. It's, it's been a minute. Whew. It's been a, at least three episodes since we did a list. Right. Two episodes, maybe. Um, so this week, speaking of big changes in console generations we have the five things that won't survive the new console generation yeah these are things that were staples or at least pieces of the last console generation or, or prior console generations yeah that we don't think we'll see um in the next console generation or during this transition yeah i think all of my stuff here is going to happen by the time you know let's just say eight years is our like yeah. rough time frame as to what okay. this console generation will be So these are all predictions for the next eight years. Okay. You want to kick it off? I do. So I'm going to say that the term indie game is going to be uh, phased out as a way of describing small games such that we don't see a place for indie games, like as, as a genre, as a way of categorizing stuff. Like that whole concept is going to be 
pushed aside in the fact that like, oh, these are just smaller downloadable games or smaller budget or shorter amount of time, whatever it is. I hope that's true. Um, I also wonder if that'll be true in, and we'll see some of the, either some of these companies get very, very big that the term indie kind of makes no sense mm-hmm. in the same way that the term like microbrew doesn't make sense for right. um, craft brewers. Um, and also maybe because I wonder if we'll start to see Activisions and Ubisofts make smaller games. Yeah, like teams of three or four out of one studio. Right. But I also wonder if in the same way that like in the music world, indie music and like alt alternative music haven't gone away that are completely like meaningless terms. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it'll stay as just like a like a legacy like shorthand like has it is it too late has it already become a shorthand for small games I, no, that we'll just keep seeing saying it even if it's devoid of its meaning I think that the term will get reabsorbed by people who are making like super weird stuff that is not popular um Okay. And that right. that's where the split will be. True indie games. All yeah. right. I can kind of see that. Then the way it used to be. And and as a result, I don't think that we'll see anything like the Xbox Live indie game store on you know the, these consoles. Right. Like even even with PlayStation's plans for individual publishing and stuff, I just don't see that all getting through in in the same weird way. I agree. That's number 1. My number 1 is a strange one given that what of the new consoles is doubling down. Uh-huh. I think I think we see motion control go away. I was going to put that on this list, but decided not to. But I agree. Uh, I think motion control never really took off uh, in the last generation, though there was certainly a big push, and obviously the Wii like made its big splash with motion control. Um, but it never really caught on. You know, Nintendo's already backed out on that on their new console. And, and and while Microsoft really wants to include that connect with every box, I mean, they are including connect with right. every box. It's not to play games really launch, with. It didn't really launch with any games. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll we'll see need for a camera. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't see that carrying over. It's funny because um, if you look at Rock Band, you think, right. oh, I bought a peripheral to play this game. So if you thought of the the connect in terms of, oh, yeah, like I want to play this dancing game called Dance Central and I need to buy this piece of hardware to do it, like that makes a bunch of sense. But instead, they started with the hardware and said, okay, we want to incorporate the hard this piece of hardware into everything. And then, oh, there are games that, you know, use it as well. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, if there's a camera, I think we can see more of like a it is a broadcast tool than a uh, an actual gameplay tool. And certainly, like, peripherals, I think, are totally dead. Like, I don't see that working. Yeah. As as people's dollars become more valuable, I think it's a much, much, much harder sell for something like Rock Band or even, like, a uh, PlayStation Move controller in, in now than it was even a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, those things, the Kinect and the PlayStation Move in particular, came later in the life cycle when right. the console dra- price had dropped and then this was kind of able to make up for that difference. So you're still spending around the same, but you got more for your dollar, so... Yep. Okay. This, I'm not sure about this one, but I like this prediction. I do not think that we're going to see paid multiplayer services like Xbox Live or the you know what PlayStation Plus does to play games online by the end of this console generation. So I'm going to say console level subscription services. Uh, to play to play multiplayer games like maybe these bonus services or PlayStation Now like that kind of stuff may persist all this ex- additional stuff that is interesting because 
uh, Sony just added that. Correct. This generation. Correct. And I think that there's going to be enough competition and they're going to get their money elsewhere from, you know, double XP and all like all like those kinds of like little microtransactions gotcha. that they're going to phase out. So you think in that, in that sense, um, that money goes to the game maker right now. The, the money that we're talking about goes to the console manufacturer. Oh, sure. But the console manufacturer gets their cut of what okay. goes to the game maker. Don't, don't you worry. They'll figure that out. Okay. That's interesting. Um, but I think that it's just going to become a, such a standard part of the so way you that think something like protected. PlayStation now could replace PlayStation plus's revenue stream. Yeah. That, that that would be one like one that way that makes doing sense. It. Um, yeah, I wonder if Sony would view it as competing with themselves. And and they will. Okay, that, that's pretty interesting. I also think that you know they will find that they're not actually losing money by not charging it. Like people aren't going to drop their subscriptions to the service because oh yeah, like I still get a bunch that's being made or uh, you know there are a lot of services that are making up for the money that I used to think of as going towards online multiplayer. Got it. Um, my number two is. Uh, I don't think we will see map packs as a business model. I think that looking at the trend of the way people are selling things, mm-hmm. I think it's always been pretty clear and is even more so that the $10, $15 couple maps is a pretty bad bonus deal. And as, um, you know, the last console generation when Call of Duty was such like a standout mm-hmm. w- w- with Halo there, um, it was a little bit easier, but now I think with Battlefield creeping up as a very solid contender and, you know, Call of Duty perhaps on the outs with his latest entry, I think there won't be a user base as big that can sustain that. I will think we'll see maps sold either as individual maps as, you know, smaller microtransactions or increased use of the season pass up front. That becomes more of like a an ongoing subscription service or something to get people to continue to invest in the game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we'll see the ten dollar three map pack anymore. That yeah, definitely agree with that one. I think that's tough. That's a weird. That's a weird price point that is now like associated with whole games. That that seems like it, it doesn't really work anymore. Mm-hmm. As opposed to it's it's too big for an impulse buy, but not big enough to be like a meaningful chunk of a game. So this one piggybacks on your last one, which is, I don't think that we will see season passes anymore. Interesting. I think that in the same way that multiplayer is going to be, the revenue for multiplayer is going to be made up by these individual transactions. I think in a lot of cases, asking people to plunk down a bunch of money up front to guarantee that they will stick with something uh, is going to be replaced by people investing small bits of money as they go along playing a game for upgrades or hats or bonus XP or, or, or any of those, those other individual things. Um, like free to play stuff yeah. in paid games. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Making up and that, that is just specifically replacing the season pass as a terms so, of revenue stream. So how do you think something like a, a map or like a borderlands expansion, how will those be sold? Um, or will they exist? Uh, so I guess two part. Okay. So, this for me, this is more in terms of like multiplayer competitive stuff. When I think of season pass, as opposed to yeah, there's going to be a bunch of DLC that's sold individually. I you know I think there's probably going to be a way of bundling down like big DLC stuff, um, but it is in the same way. It's not about map packs. Like the these are more like expansions for generally single player experiences where not everyone is expected to have 
the same content. But on a sure. on a big multiplayer game where everyone needs to have the same maps, that stuff will all just be free and it'll be replaced by the microtransactions. You won't need to think about you know, oh yeah, I'm going to get these, you know, this map here and this mode here. And in a couple months, they're going to release horde mode three and that kind of stuff. It's, it is, it's similar to the no. Yeah. No, uh, I like it. Map hacks, but yeah, like there may be a like bundle, right. but it's, they're not going to call it a season pass. Um, I think that uh, for my third one, I was thinking about a way to, so we've got pretty similar architecture now on the PS4 and Xbox. Companies are big enough that they don't really need the co-marketing dollars to make platform-exclusive games. Mm-hmm. So now I think the burden is going to be more on the console developers to court you know, um, exclusives or timed exclusives, especially on the indie level, I think, where the money makes more sense and time to develop for a specific platform kind of like works with the publisher or of the developer of the game themselves. Meaning like, okay, we have such a small team, we really can't build for the PlayStation and the Xbox and and the Vita and the DS and the PC all at once. So we're only going to focus on one. Okay. So, so kind, kind of what Sony's already doing. Right. So I, I haven't said what the thing is yet. Oh, okay. So, so um, in the last generation, we would see both Microsoft and Sony pay for indie exclusives or timed exclusives. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting was they would pay for the console exclusives and let the PC get a free pass. I think now that PC will no longer be included in their timed exclusives. Okay. I think we will see a trend of it comes out on the PlayStation and that's it. Not the PlayStation and the PC or the Xbox and the PC or whatever. Yeah, that totally makes totally makes I, a lot of sense. I think the reason for that is with the growing popularity of Steam and as people's just refreshes of their personal computers starts to get good enough where you can play, you know, a bastion or whatever, no problems, which maybe wasn't the case back in 08 or nine, mm-hmm. whenever the game came out. Um, I think they're seen as more direct competitors now than perhaps they would have been when it was just a more niche, like, ah, they're the hardcore PC gamers. Anyway, they're not really our competition. I, I think the PC will come on its own very much as a, um, platform that is snuck into people's houses as a timed exclusive, or you know, as, as people put their games on mobile platforms as well. So buttoned down, timed, or timed exclusives. So I still have I have a couple of these, and I I like a like, I like like three of them, and I only have two more that I can do. Um. Okay, so here's here's a, a safer bet. I'm going to say that we're not going to see budget retail titles anymore. I like that one. Yeah, we that's already started to phase right. out. Th- things put on discs sold in stores on the $20 shelf at Target and Walmart for people to pass by. Like that's just if if you're making a disc game, it's going to be big, it's going to be high budget and it's going to be sold for, you know, $60 or $40 whatever the, you know, console you, you you're putting it out on is. Um and anyone who wants to make a quick buck will transition to downloadable Mobile. stuff or more, more likely iOS or and free to Android. play. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But that's no more budget titles. I like I it mean, already. Yeah. You can see a bit of that oh, happening in the totally. Xbox 360 PlayStation three era, but there was still some of it. And yeah. But way different like than than the PS one PS two era mm-hmm. cluttered with nonsense. One of the things I don't think we'll see this generation. Uh, so my, my number four and five are pretty related. Okay. 
I don't I don't think we'll see a clear winner. I think with the exception of maybe maybe the Super Nintendo Genesis era, I think there's been a clear winner both kind of zeitgeist wise and financially every generation. Nin- Nintendo 1, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 1, Xbox 360 1. Yeah. Okay. I don't think we will see a clear winner at the end of this console generation. I think it will have been seen as a pretty neck and neck push pull. Um you know, knock down, drag out fight. Blu-ray and HD DVD existing side by side. Yep. <laughs> Dogs and cats living together in perfect harmony. Uh, um, I, I think I think we'll see. I, I think for the first time I look at both these consoles and be like, these are both pretty good machines. I think Microsoft obviously had huge PR problems, and I think they've got a pricing problem mm-hmm. long term. That's easy to fix. Um. And, and again, from like a similar architecture, I think that we're going to see even more of the same libraries on both consoles than ever. I think the libraries will not be all that differentiating. As, think, as if each console is a computer. Exactly. I, I also I think we'll see features come up like the Xbox is a good idea and then that shows up on the PlayStation. PlayStation has a good idea. I mean, yeah. the Xbox now equivalent is not far behind, you know, maybe it's a year or two behind. But but it'll just be things that, that they'll just be like advantages and disadvantages to each that kind of even out mm-hmm. and, and i and i think by the end we will have to, we will look back and say that they were both very good consoles with with relatively even market share at least at least in north america yeah makes sense cool okay last one so i'll let you i'll let you choose do you want the crazy town yep or do you want the reasonable but reasonable but surprising i want the i want the crazy town all right this goes to our discussion during the news nintendo will not put out a console follow-up to the wii u okay i think that they will end up putting all of their eggs in one basket um or they will find they'll find like a small way to do something like tiny, like the the Vita TV style, you know, just a couple downloadable or downloadable titles. Is is a possible scenario that they like re- double down on the Wii U? That they're like, no, this is the console we put out, and we're gonna, gosh darn it, we're gonna find ways to make this work. No chance. Okay. No chance. No, so that's not got it. No. I agree. I just want. No. I just wanted to know what this was. The the Wii U will fizzle out, and they will decide. You know what? Let's not bother with a console, at least for. A, a good long while. Like I, it, they, sure. they will not have an announcement for a new console during this generation. And if they announce something, it will come after Microsoft or Sony or whoever's in the game at that point announces whatever their next thing is. We're talking 10 years without a console Damn, announcement. It's a little crazy town. Not unreasonable. If I were them, you know, I would say go with the thing you're good at, really good at right now, handhelds, but that's my crazy town. So for me, I think the thing we won't see this generation is a clear transition from the last generation. Huh. I think we will continue to see games, real games, out on the PS3 and Xbox 360 for at least three years. Really? Yes. Okay. Now, I, I do think we will see the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One rise up. There becomes a time, yes, Halo 5 just comes out on the Xbox or will stop backporting Assassin's Creed games. However, 
I so so they'll become, you know, kind of back in the background. But with indie games where you know they're kind of designed to run on pretty general spec machines, I think the effort to putting something on the PS3 or Xbox 360 will be so low and they're going to look at it and say like why wouldn't I put things on this thing with a massive install base? Yeah. Microsoft and Sony are going to take advantage of that because I bet adoption rates are going to be a little bit are, are going to kind of peter out and be slower and with the install base I think they'll be willing to support smaller developers to get things out I think it will be a lot more if, if it's not like no we're going to have four consoles out I think it will be a lot more than and eh, Madden keeps coming out on those things year after year sure I, I think we will see a, a large number of small games keep coming out and I think we will continue to see these kind of bi-generational games or whatever the hell you want to call it happen for a lot longer than you think they would I think that that prediction is equally as crazy as Nintendo. Really? Yeah. I don't think that's crazy. I think that... that I see hard cut. Done. Wow. Yeah. You know, people pack up their consoles and put them in a closet. These things are dead within two years. Maybe even a year. I don't see it. Well. I think that, that kid who bought an Xbox 360, now that kid wants an iPad. And not necessarily an Xbox One. Huh. Yeah, th- I mean that that certainly is true. But but still wants to play video games, <laughs> real video games with buttons, right. right? The way that grandma used to play. All right, that's it. Those are our those are our predictions. <sighs> the five things that won't survive the new console generation. Nutty predictions, the nuttiest, like p- professors, or Nutella, or pecan sandies. But this isn't a cookie podcast. All right. Um, email us with your predictions, lowscorepodcast at gmail.com. Always subscribe to us, lowscorepodcast at blogspot.com. Our RSS feed is right there. You can search us in iTunes. You can go into your favorite podcasting app on your phone, search lowscore. The second result after something about dumb golf will probably be us. Get it. Yep. Recommend it to your friends. Spread you the word. All- Spread the word. You can also get on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're at Low Score Podcast, and we'd love it if you said, "Hey, at Low Score Podcast, my favorite nut is." 